Tradition is the living faith of the dead. And what that is saying, what that phrase is literally saying is that uh, the, the ones who've gone before us, what we practice today is really the living faith of the dead. But traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Good morning, PCBC. It's great to worship online again together this morning. 360 Love, we are learning to love like Jesus loved, and Jesus loved in every direction. He loved everyone, everywhere. And so we're learning how to do that. The 11th commandment, loving others as Jesus loved us. Well, this past week has been an unusual week for the Hulse household. Some of you have already heard by now. But our daughter, as she was getting ready to go to OU for her freshman year, boomer, sooner, uh, had to test for the virus and came up positive. We were all stunned and shocked when we got the news. So we have been in quarantine this past week. Uh, Fortunately, Haven is asymptomatic, so is Cammie and myself. We have taken our own COVID test this week after a seven-day wait and are waiting to get those results back. So we are filming this midweek, even though it's being shown to you as you watch it on Sunday mornings. Thank you for your prayers and continue to do that. Maybe you know of other folks in our church or in your life that we need to be praying for as well. I know John Neandico, our missions pastor, who has started a church to the Congolese refugees and African-speaking people in our city, has also tested positive. I know there are others in the church that we uh, are praying for in other ways, so let's continue to do that for one another. But we're going to get into the Word this morning. We're in the book of Mark. Turn to Mark chapter 6. This whole month, we're reading through the book of Mark, one chapter a day, in our devotions. And so I'll always be bringing you a sermon this month out of the book of Mark, out of that week's readings. So the title of my message today is Traditional Worship. Now, that phrase has become a common phrase since the 90s. When I was growing up, I didn't grow up in church, but then in my high school years, as I met Cammie and She invited me to Emanuel Baptist Church. I started going to her church for Sunday morning worship. Now, when I went in those days, there was no such thing as a traditional service and a contemporary service. Uh, Those were terms that would come up much later in the 90s, and and all of a sudden there was this new concept of uh, preferences and worship styles, and we gave them all kinds of different labels from traditional to contemporary to modern and, and, and tried to label our worship. Well, as we dig into the book of Mark today, we're going to see that Jesus addresses the issue of traditional worship. Not a worship style, but the worship of traditions. Now, traditions have been around as long as man's been on this earth. There are all kinds of traditions that get passed on from generation to generation. As a matter of fact, that would be the definition of a tradition. It's the passing down of elements within a culture from generation to generation. We all have different traditions that we have adopted or practiced. We have our holiday traditions. Your family has different traditions than my family, and yet we still celebrate the same birth of Christ every Christmas, or or we still celebrate Thanksgiving, the holidays. We may celebrate universally, but with unique traditions. We have religious traditions. Uh, Now, some of those traditions have been man-made, as we'll see in a moment, and others are given to us from Scripture. Uh, What we would call the ordinances, the Lord's Supper and baptism, uh, would be traditional worship, traditional things, uh, those worship traditions of the faith. 
We have all kinds of ceremonial traditions. We have traditions about how we do football and tailgating, all kinds of different traditions. But I ran across a phrase that's going to relate to the sermon today that says this. It says, tradition is the living faith of the dead. And what that is saying, what that phrase is literally saying is that uh, the, the ones who've gone before us, uh, i.e. Jesus and the apostles and what we find in Scripture, uh, but even in our family traditions, what our grandparents taught us or what we practice as families, what we practice today is really the living faith of the dead. But traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. So let's dig in and let's look at this concept of what it means to have healthy biblical traditions versus traditionalism that the enemy brings into our lives to distract us from a heart of worship. We're in Mark chapter 6, go to verse 53. Mark chapter 6 and verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gesenaret and moored to the shore. When they got out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. They ran about the whole country, began to carry here and there on their pallets those who were sick to the place they heard he was. Wherever he entered villages or cities or countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces and imploring him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched it were being cured. As we look in on Mark chapter 6, we see a certain group of people that were gathering to Jesus. They were seeking his help. They had heard from others throughout the community that the healer was there, the miracle worker, perhaps the promised one that they had heard traditionally taught from generation to generation that Yahweh was sending a Messiah. Could this be the one? Was Jesus that Messiah? And so as they were gathering, they were bringing all the sick and placing them at the feet of Jesus. Now, Mark draws our attention here, and in verse 56, he points out again, as many as touched the fringe of his cloak, they were being cured. Why does he mention that? Well, if you read in your devotionals this week, you saw earlier in chapter 5, you saw where uh, the woman who had the blood issue uh, thought, if I could just touch the cloak of his garment, I would be healed. And, And sure enough, as she stepped out in faith, touched the cloak of Jesus, she was immediately healed. Well, I think that story had spread throughout the land, and and Mark draws that attention that people were were understanding that Jesus was a healer, a miracle worker. He also, I think, was alluding to Isaiah's prophecy. For in Isaiah chapter 35, it was prophesied about Messiah that the eyes of the blind would be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, The lame man would leap like a heart, and the tongue of the dumb would sing for joy. Well, we see here many were starting to believe that this was that Jesus, that this was the fulfillment of prophecy. But there were others we're going to see, another group of people that came to Jesus that thought the exact opposite. Flip over to Mark chapter 7 now, and let's look at this next group of people that gather around Jesus. Verse 1. It says, the Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered around him when they had come from Jerusalem. Again, earlier in chapter 6, we saw those who were gathering because they were truly seeking Jesus. They were transparent, they were humble, they were needy, and they were bankrupt. And they knew that only Jesus could fill their need. Well, now there are those who are coming, the religious professionals of Jerusalem, the Pharisees and the scribes. They have no need other than to seek after Jesus' downfall. 
They have come to gather dirt on Jesus. They haven't come out of faith. They've come to destroy him. Verse 2. And they had seen some of Jesus' disciples were eating their bread with impure hands, that is, unwashed. The explanation of why this was a concern for them is in verse 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. Over time, in their desire, and I know it probably started off, this tradition probably began with a very pure motive, a desire to make sure that they were honoring God and that they wanted to be clean on the inside and the outside. Also, just good hygiene, a good practice. But over the years, it became incorporated as an act of worship. It became a tradition of the elders. It goes on in verse 4 and says, And also, when they came in from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. The list went on and on and on. Over time, what started off perhaps with a pure heart of worship has now become a list of do's and don'ts. Things that you have to do to be right with God. The traditions of the elders. Verse 5 says that the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but they eat their bread with impure hands? This right here, their question, introduces us to the subject of the power and effect of traditions in their lives, but also perhaps in our lives. That if we're not careful, we can get caught up in man's traditions, but not biblical traditions. We can be so conditioned by those things that we actually think that's how we're supposed to worship. For example, during this time of COVID, uh, with churches not meeting and many sheltering at home, a lot of people got very discouraged and very frustrated. A lot of people, because of the traditions, we've all grown up going to church on Sunday morning. That has been our tradition, our, our act of worship, corporately gathering together Sunday mornings in a sanctuary like I'm preaching today that's now empty, that was our traditions. And now, without being able to gather in the sanctuary, there are a number of people, I've heard this discussion all across the land, many, many different churches and many different responses and people saying, we can't worship, we can't, the state shouldn't stop us, the government shouldn't stop us from being able to worship together on Sunday mornings. I know some people that are very discouraged that we've been outdoors on a Saturday night instead of indoors in the sanctuary. I want you to understand, I get it, and I miss it too. I miss the days when this was packed out, and I miss being able to look in faces and being able to, to worship together in air conditioning. That'd be pretty nice in the summer months of Oklahoma. And yet, let's be honest. Let's realize that when we go back and we look at the very first church in the book of Acts, they didn't have sanctuaries. They weren't allowed in the synagogues. They were considered a cult. They didn't have church buildings. They didn't gather just on Sunday mornings once a week. If you want to look at the early traditions of the New Testament church, they met every single day. They gathered daily together. And they gathered in homes. They gathered in uh, private and public places. Wherever they could get some folks together and gather up, they simply gathered and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the Word of God, the breaking of bread, to the ministry to one another, and then being on mission in the world. And they did that every single day. 
Those were the early traditions of the church. And yet what we are used to in our day, in our generation, our culture, is showing up on a Sunday morning in a sanctuary in air conditioning. Well, we don't have to allow our hearts of worship to be distracted even by a virus or even because we aren't practicing what we normally practice. We should always maintain a heart of worship. But notice what the Pharisees were worshiping. They weren't concerned about worshiping God. They were concerned about the traditions of their elders. Look at the question again. Why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders? They didn't say, why aren't your disciples uh, acting according to Scripture and what Yahweh has revealed? No, they were worshiping their own traditions, the things that were important to them, the things that had been passed down from generation to generation that the enemy had used over time to get them to drift away from authentic, real worship. Let's make sure that we're not allowing the enemy to do that in our hearts, especially during this time of virus. Let's make sure that we are maintaining a clear focus on the one true God through his word, through the Holy Spirit, and worshiping him, as Jesus said, not in a building, but in spirit and in truth. You see, Jesus reminded that we are the sanctuary. You, if you know Jesus, you are the sanctuary. And every day you live, you are living your act of worship, unless we get distracted. Let's go on. Let's see what Jesus would teach. Verse 6. And Jesus said to them, rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you. Even Jesus would point back to the prophecies of Isaiah. Isaiah, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, would prophesy about uh, days in the future. And Jesus would say, he was speaking of my generation, these days. And many who live from this day forward, for listen to what Isaiah prophesied. He prophesied, oh, you hypocrites, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the traditions of men. Notice, Jesus wasn't addressing a bunch of pagans, a bunch of sinners who could care less about the things of God. He was actually talking to people who who wanted or thought they were worshiping God, but had lost their way in worship. They had become traditional worshipers, worshipers of tradition. Look at verse 7 again. Because he recognizes you have been worshiping. The problem is you're just not worshiping me. You're not worshiping the true God. Your worship is in vain. Why? Because they'd gotten away from the word of God, the will of God, and the ways of God. Instead, they were worshiping the traditions of men. And Jesus calls them out on them. He calls them out on two points. He tells them that their tradition worship is an act of hypocrisy. On the outside, to their community and to others, trying to look pious and and trying to look very religious. And yet, the second issue was the issues of their heart. What they were concerned on the outside, clean hands, ceremonial cleansings, they had forgot about the most important thing, and that's our heart of worship. And Jesus calls them on it. He says, your hearts are far from God, but they're very near to your religious traditions. I've heard from other generations, I didn't grow up in the church as I told you, but I've heard from other generations that there were certain traditions, even in the Baptist church, 
that were practiced and were taught that this is how you honored God. It's pretty humorous, really. Even this week, I got a package in the mail in our quarantine. Karen Horton was really gracious, always an encourager, and sent our family a quarantine packet, opened it up, and there was a coloring book and old crayons, not old crayons, but old school crayons, a brand new pack, and then a deck of cards. Boy, some of you who are watching this message, if you would have had a deck of cards in your home, you would have been considered unclean. You would have been considered a pagan. And, 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 and we see the, the fallacy of man's traditions. Well, traditions are addressed throughout all the New Testament, warning us of those which are man-made and those which are actually from the Lord. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. There are some things that are traditionally taught right now in our schools, in our higher, supposedly higher education systems. Uh, Kami and I even had to sit down with our daughter Haven as she's going to school now, taking on her freshman year in college, and, and warned her that she will hear things taught, taught supposedly as man's truth that are contrary to the truths of God's word. And that those things are to always be rejected, to not just drink the Kool-Aid of humanism and man's traditions, but to make sure that everything aligns with the Word of God. However, we do see some positive traditions that should be embraced. If you have your Bibles, you can hold your place in Mark, but you can flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. The Apostle Paul, who had warned the Colossians about traditions that needed to be rejected, now writes to believers another church, a different church, the church of Corinth, and actually tells them to embrace traditions. Has he changed his positions? Is he playing politics? Let's take a look at it. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 2. Paul says, I now praise you because you remember me in everything and you hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. Now what gives? We saw... The church at Colossae receive instructions to reject traditions. Here, he says, I commend you for holding tight to the traditions. Well, what's the difference? Well, the ones in Colossians, uh, the church in Colossae, he says, you are not to take on the traditions of man's teachings. But then to the church in Corinth, he says, but I'm proud that you have your biblical traditions what I have passed on, what the Holy Spirit has revealed to us, the apostles, what we teach to you, you cling to those traditions, traditions from God, not from the elders, from a pastor, from a denomination, or from any other human on this planet. Let's make sure that if there are traditions that we're practicing, that those are traditions that honor God and glorify God and come from Scripture. Now, I'm not talking about uh, simple traditions that you might have at home on what you do on Christmas Eve, what you might do on Christmas morning, simple things like that. But let's make certain that traditions of worship, corporate worship and personal worship, all tie back to what is taught through the Word of God. Paul would address it again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15. I'll put it on the screen. It says, So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Now, this is fascinating. Clearly, Paul teaching here 
saw the difference between the tradition of the elders and the traditions of Scripture. Matter of fact, if there's any, anyone better on planet Earth to teach this, there's nobody better than the Apostle Paul. If you know his story, you remember that before he became the Apostle Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus. His own testimony in Acts chapter 26, he gives testimony. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was at the top of the chain. There was nobody more Pharisaical than I was. I had climbed the ladder, and there were stages you had to climb as you studied and you studied and you studied and you studied, and pretty soon you were an expert in the traditions of the elders. Paul had arrived as Saul. He had arrived at that status. He was a professional tradition worshiper. And there on the road to Damascus, everything changed. He went from living a life of religion religious practices. Matter of fact, the reason he was on the road to Damascus is he was going to another town to pursue this cult called Christianity. And he thought he was worshiping God by actually killing people, imprisoning people, because they claimed that Jesus had risen from the dead. And then Jesus appeared to him. Jesus saved him on that road, changed him, made him a new creature, a new creation, gave him a new purpose and said, you will be a preacher of the gospel to even to the Gentiles. And at that moment, everything changed for the Apostle Paul. And everywhere he went, he went teaching the Word of God and the ways of God. Not the ways of the elder, not a pharisaical life, but how to have the heart of genuine worship. And so now, in 2 Thessalonians, he says, Brethren, you stand firm, you hold to the traditions which you were taught by word which you've heard preached, and even by the letters, the the New Testament we now hold in our hands, many of those were epistles or letters written under inspiration of the Holy Spirit to instruct us in how to have the heart of worship. The Apostle Paul rejected man's ways and was now living according to God's truth. You know, the enemy doesn't want you to worship God. Ever since the beginning of time, he has hated worship directed to the Heavenly Father. That's exactly what he attacked in the garden. He went after Adam and Eve. He went after their heart of worship. And he got them to desire something else. He distracted them. Instead of being pure and honoring what God had declared and practicing that simple tradition of not eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they lost everything. The enemy would love to keep you from being a worshiper of God. And he can do that even by allowing you to be a worshiper. You know there's worship all over this planet? There's worship in every single nation. You can go into the deepest, darkest parts of many jungles, and you can find worship. It might be pagan worship. It might be idol worship. But we were built to be worshipers. And what God designed for his glory and, and what God designed to be directed to him, Satan has perverted and pushed it off to make us tradition worshipers. Anything he can do to rob us of worship. For example, God's word says that we are to worship in spirit and in truth. Well, man's traditions have become, now we've got to worship in a sanctuary. We've got to worship in a building. We worship one hour a week on Sundays. Those are man's traditions. No, we worship God in spirit and truth. We worship God every day. Wherever we are, wherever we may be, where two or more are gathered, that's corporate worship. And when we're in our own private prayer closet, personal worship. Worshiping him in spirit and in truth. 
God's word says we would worship him in spirit and truth, that we are the sanctuary, and yet man's preferences and man's practices are, no, I want to be a part of a traditional worship. I want to be a part of a contemporary worship. You see the distraction? God's word says that we, the bride of Christ, his church, are to go into all the world. Man, over time, our traditions has taught us, no, being a Christian means not going in the world, it means going to church on Sunday morning. And that's what church has become for many, man's traditions. God's word says we're saved by grace through faith. Man's teachings, the teachings today would tell us, no, we're saved by our works. How we clean our hands, the Pharisees thought. The, the, the things the elders have taught us, all these do's and don'ts. What you may have been taught in a fundamental Baptist church in days gone by, this and that, the do's and don'ts. That's not how we're saved. We're saved by grace, God's grace. And we're saved as we place our faith that he and he alone can save us. That's how a person is saved. And out of that, yes, we desire to live lives that are holy and lives that honor his glory. But we don't do things to become holy. He is making us holy every single day. Jesus had to teach more. Go back to Mark chapter 7 and verse 9. Let's try to wrap it up. Mark chapter 7 verse 9. He was also saying to them, you know, you are experts at setting aside the commandments of God in order to keep your tradition. Jesus would go on in verses 10 and 11 and 12 and 13, and he would go on to use an example. You know, the commandment of God says, honor your mother and father. And yet, you've created all these loopholes to get around that so that you can do this and you can do that. And, and instead of taking care of your parents in their elderly season of life, you put that money perhaps in a treasury, a love offering at church here or there, or you do this and you do that and say, well, because I'm committed to these things in my religion, I can't take care of mom and dad. Jesus called him out on it and said, that's hypocritical. That isn't worship. That is living a religious life according to man's traditions. Remember what I said earlier? Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Paul commended many in the body of Christ saying, you have held firmly through those traditions. Things that we hold to today, believers' baptism, the Lord's Supper, the gathering of the saints, the way we minister to each other, the way we go into the world, the missions that we do, traditions of the church, traditions we find in Scripture. But then there's traditionalism which is a dead faith of the living. Those who live according to do's and don'ts, those who live according to what has become customary and traditional for them that has evolved over the years but migrated away from the truths of God. What was Jesus addressing? He was addressing the issue of real worship. The reality that there are those who seek to worship God but they do it in vain. They do it through paths of religion and they still miss God or there are those who come to understand who God is and they seek him with all their heart and out of that they seek him in the word daily they live out a life of faith so as we conclude this message today let me ask you a question let's do some heart surgery in all of our hearts right now would you do that as you bow your head just for a moment 
without any distractions, no matter what's going on around you, no matter where you are, just bow your heads with me for just a moment. And Would you allow the Holy Spirit to speak truth to your heart? The psalmist said, Lord, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way. Would that be your prayer this morning? Just say that, Lord, search my heart today. It could be that as you are listening to this message today, you have thought that you were a worshiper. You know there's a God. I knew there was a God. I, I thought I was worshiping God. I didn't exactly know how to do that well. But my desire was not to displease the Lord, but I knew I was doing things I shouldn't be doing in my life. And I didn't have a peace. I had an emptiness actually in my heart. I prayed to God often. I knew there was a God. And yet I was worshiping him in vain. Why was it in vain? Because I'd never surrendered my heart to Christ. I had never humbled myself and come to Jesus like the people did in Mark chapter 6. Admitted I had a need. Admitted that only Jesus could meet that need. And placed my faith in him. Yet one night gathered up at a coliseum in our city. The gospel was being preached. Most of my high school was there. Seemed like half the town was there that night. Thousands of people packed in. It was that night that God opened my eyes to see that my heart was empty and my heart needed Jesus. It could be that that's you right now. If that is you, the Bible says that if you would repent of your sin and call on the name of the Lord, you could be saved. Would you pray with me right now? Not to me, you're praying to the Lord, but pray the Lord and I'd like to lead you through a prayer. I didn't know how to pray that night, yet Jay Strack, an evangelist, led us all through a prayer to trust Christ as our Savior. I'd like to do that with you now. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I have a need. And Lord, I confess I'm a, sin, I'm a sinner and that sin has separated me from you. And Lord, my heart today is empty. But I turn from my sin and I invite you into my heart to be my Lord, my Savior, my healer. You just prayed with me just now. Would you say, thank you, Jesus? Just say, thank you, Jesus. And would you reach out online? Look for a chat button there on your screen. Hit that chat button and reach out to our online pastor and say, I just prayed to trust Jesus just now. We want to celebrate with you. I want to hear the good news. We want to send you a Bible, some materials, whatever we can do to encourage you in your faith and help you as you begin this new journey as a child of God. If you can't find the chat button, you can always email us here at the church. You can get online at our website. You can email us at ministry at pcbc.tv. Or you can find our whole email list there on our staff section. We want to hear from you today. There are others of you that you're praying and you've already trusted Christ. You know the Lord. And yet you may be worshiping in vain as well. Maybe traditions, things that are traditional to you have distracted you or maybe something else maybe the busyness of life the discouragement of a virus the challenges at work the issues of our day and maybe we just need to return very simply to the Lord and say Lord forgive us for losing our heart of worship if that's you would you take just a moment in your own words tell God what's going on in your heart let God clean that up he said, if you will simply confess your sin, I will be faithful to cleanse you and forgive you of all unrighteousness. It isn't the cleansing of our hands and cups or pitchers or the way we do it through the traditions of the elders. 
It's when we allow a holy God to cleanse us from head to toe. And I hope that you'll do that in these moments. Do this today as you walk with your God. Father God, I thank you for what you're doing in each and every life today. I thank you that you are the God that cleanses us of all sin. Lord, I pray that today we would surrender all things to you. That, Lord, we would trust you every step of the way and that we would never lose our heart of worship as we worship you in spirit and in truth. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, say it out loud, amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great week. Keep praying for our family. I hope to bring you great news and other things in the days ahead. But remember this, God loves you and so do we. Have a great week. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.